Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling and Loving It podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, your friend at homeschool.com and homeschool mom of six. Join us as we keep it real and chat about the ups and downs of this amazing adventure we call the homeschool life. So grab a cup of your warm favorite and a comfy chair and let's get started. Hello everyone, I'm Jamie with homeschool.com and I'd like to welcome you to our series entitled The Homeschool Helping Hand. And in this series, we are trying to deal with topics that are pretty common to most homeschooling parents. And so of course today, we're gonna address something that I, I've been getting a lot of questions on. I don't know if, if Melanie has or not, but um, it's something that I know I've dealt with myself as a homeschooling parent. And I feel like over the last few months and even throughout the last year, it's kind of been a reoccurring issue. So before we get started, I want to go ahead and introduce my co-host today. We're so excited to have Melanie from psychowith6.com. And Melanie, would you just take a minute to share about yourself, your family, and what you're doing right now? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I want to explain my blog name. <laughs> a lot of people think, what on earth are you talking about? I was a psychologist practicing in a Christian practice when I first started having kids and before I chose to stay home and, and homeschool. So I was called, I believe by God to um, come home and homeschool my kids. Not what I planned on doing, not even what I wanted to do. Um, but then I started homeschooling when I had three children. My oldest was just a preschooler. And after a rocky start, <laughs> uh, we could talk about that another time. After a rocky start, <laughs> I found that I really and truly loved it. And I gained the organization skills to um, continue doing it and to feel like I could handle more kids. And so now I have six kids. And so that's where the name came from with a double meaning, you know, sometimes they made me crazy, <laughs> but sometimes I was more like a psychologist with six kids. And so all, all of that time has led to what I do now, which is I am a speaker for great homeschool conventions. I'm a podcaster at the homeschool sanity show, and I am an author of books for homeschooling moms like the organized homeschool life and even more importantly i think i write curriculum for homeschoolers grammar galaxy is elementary language arts and i love it and the kids who use it tend to love it too so that's what i do absolutely and i love the fact that we share that we're mom to six <laughs> i know so i totally get that psycho thing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely get it. Uh, but anyway, all right. So one thing that's been really amazing about this past year is that homeschooling across the board has grown by leaps and bounds. And I know we were talking about that a minute ago, but I love it because I'm seeing parents who maybe were on the fence before but now because of their circumstances, they've taken the plunge and they are 
full-time, full-on homeschoolers. They don't plan on going back. Um, so I love that fact that we as experienced homeschool moms can really come alongside them and be a helping hand, be an encouragement, be inspiration. And so um, that leads us to our topic today. And one of the questions that I've gotten frequently over, well, several questions over the last month, kind of center around burnout and depression and how to, you know, take care of ourselves. And even once we're in the midst of it, how do we get out of it? You know, and, and I feel like this time of year tends to be a little difficult. You know, that's my uneducated guess there. I'm sure mm-hmm. you, you, you're the expert, you know better. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, is this something that you've kind of come across? You've seen this as well? Oh, yes. And of course, I have come across it before the pandemic and before the, infl- the influx of um, so many women and men who are new to homeschooling. And so it's not a new problem, but it's probably a worsening problem because we don't have the outlets, some of them that were available to us before to help us um, be renewed, (laughs) be renewed personally Um, maybe professionally, depending on um, what a homeschooling parent's lifestyle is like. Mm -hmm. Um, Perhaps you have a business on the side and you can't meet with clients, you can't meet with coworkers, you can't go to business conferences. But for so many of us, we can't go to church in person or we don't choose to uh, because that, that is an option as well. Uh, We may not be seeing our co-op friends. We may not be going on field trips. Uh, We may not be getting together with friends like we once were. We may not be going to the gym um, to participate in classes. Uh, There are just, there are so many things that have, so many doors, let's say it that way. So many doors that have been closed that, if they had remained open, they really would have helped us to cope with being full-time homeschooling parents, to being home so much. And I'm going to be very honest and tell you that that was probably my biggest concern with uh, taking the call to homeschool my kids. I am an extrovert. I really get recharged by spending time with other people. And I also had my own goals. I wanted to be a writer and a speaker, and I couldn't figure out how I was going to do that and homeschool too. And I knew that if I was going to make homeschooling work as a lifestyle, that I had to reserve some time for my own interests and for socializing, and that I needed to make that a priority and make sure that my husband was on board with that, which he was, thankfully. Um, And I I did some things that I think are still possibilities today, even in the middle of an ongoing pandemic. And that is that I made sure that I had time when either my husband or a mother's helper was watching the kids Mm -hmm. so that I could 
even go out and grocery shop by myself. I mean, mothers of many know what a nightmare it is to take <laughs> six young kids to the grocery store. It's like, no, I don't want to do this. Um, so I did that a lot. I had my niece come over and watch the kids for a couple of hours once a week. And I would use that as a time to go shopping. Sometimes I would use it as a time to go out on a date with my husband. And I still think that having one-on-one time with your spouse can happen. (laughs) I think you can make that happen, whether that means you um, have a grandparent that is comfortable being around your family, um, or it means that you save up screen time uh, for that very purpose that you and your husband can get some takeout and enjoy it together and watch a movie in your room, maybe. Yeah, just get Um, creative. Yeah, right. Because what, what I have noticed is that when, when I have made um, arrangements to see a friend in a way that we both consider safe, mm-hmm. my energy and my mood improve dramatically. And I've seen that in my friend as well. Um, my big concern right now is for Obviously, I'm concerned about extroverts who are being deprived of (laughs) their social contacts, but I'm just as concerned about introverts. I I think what introverts tend to do in situations like this and say, oh, this is great. This is just great. I don't have to go to all these, you know, big gatherings that just make me feel uncomfortable. But introverts need time with other people, too. Um, It it isn't a good idea to go long-term without spending time with other people, (laughs) you know? Um, It's just not a good idea. And, you know, yes, our families are our primary social support and our social connection. That is true for me and my husband as well, who are both extroverts, but we need time with other believers if we Um, our homeschoolers uh, practicing a certain faith. Um, We need time with other homeschoolers (laughs) to talk about what's going on. And we just, we just need time with other friends. I mean, the fact is we not only have a pandemic, we have had major upheaval in our culture around the world, just a major upheaval. And if you don't have time to really sit and talk it through with another person, you're probably going to struggle. You are putting yourself at risk for depression. Like I have even heard of people who were in counseling and, you know, then there was this period of time where there was no counseling going on and then counseling switched to virtual and people just said, Oh no, I, you know, I don't want to do virtual counseling. So I just won't do anything. That is not a good idea. We have to have some kind of outlet to sit and talk through what we have been experiencing. Absolutely. Well, I think the other concern is that I know I have some some people that I am acquainted with that live in other countries, UK, for example, and their limitations are really even worse than ours in some areas where they're not even allowing them outdoors. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know, you know, it, where I live in Georgia, it's not very bad weather. So we do get outside even then, even though it's chilly, but I, I used to live up North and I know in the winter time, it was terrible for depression and because you're inside all the time. And so do you, you think that that is also going to contribute to it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's, that's just huge. When I hear about, as you say, um, people in the UK or in Spain being told and, and other places being told, you know, you're only allowed to go outside when it's absolutely necessary. I just think, my goodness, we are putting people at risk mentally um, for sure by saying that. We need exposure to light. We need exposure to vitamin D as much as possible. And uh, we just, there's just something about being outside. I don't care who you talk to. Uh, When we are outside and we are in nature, we just come alive. We're energized by that. And to deprive ourselves of that experience is another risk factor mentally and physically. So what I would say is that if you're in a situation like that, where you cannot um, get out, um, I would invest in um, the light therapy uh, you know, a lamp, and I would expose myself to that for a certain period of time, a day that is recommended. That's not, that's not my area, but there are all kinds of uh, these daylight lamps that you can uh, get a hold of for that purpose. And I would also, I would recommend, okay, if, if you literally cannot go outside, at least sit by a window and just look outside, look at birds, <laughs> you know, just take it in, open a window if you can, um, just get outside of your house, even if you have to do that virtually. I was noticing a screensaver came up on my television after I was done doing a workout. So I was tired. And that's the other thing I recommend. Don't give up exercising just because you cannot get outside to walk. If that's you, you, or go to the gym, you have got to get that exercise in for your mental well-being and for your physical well-being. Um, but anyway, the, the screen server came on and it was just like this, you know, outdoor scene that was moving. And I just sat there watching it for the longest time. So if, if that's what you have to do, do it because it, it just allows us to relax and take a a break from all the things that we're doing at home. Yes, absolutely. We have, we have a bird feeder right outside our window here in our schoolroom because of that very reason. It gives us something to watch and enjoy and it lifts your spirits watching the little birdies. (laughs) Yes, it works. You know, something else that I, I wanted to say here, Jamie, that I think is incredibly important. And that is, please take a break or even a, an entire sabbatical away from bad news. I have been reading the headlines of our local newspaper every day since the pandemic started. And it actually just makes me laugh because I imagine that these writers are struggling to come up with 
more terrifying language to use day after day after day, right? It's like, okay, you know, um, and watching the television news, um, checking out what people are talking about on any social media platform, I really don't care what it is. It is so depressing and so anxiety provoking and it, it is creating uh, this, this unreasonable fear. And I'm, I'm so concerned about what this is doing to our kids to watch us go through uh, this being fearful. And what some people don't understand too is that the longer you are anxious, the more at risk you are for depression because it just, it drains your body um, of energy and you're going to feel um, sluggish and depressed. You're going to want to sleep more. You're going to feel hopeless. And uh, these things are, are really nothing to ignore. Depression can very quickly become serious. So if that is you, if you are experiencing, um, you know, this, this sadness, this lack of energy, this hopeless feeling, or if you're, if you're just, you know, shaking with anxiety, you, you are too afraid to even walk out of the house, even though you're allowed to, then I absolutely recommend that you seek professional help. And that doesn't have to be from a psychiatrist. Many people don't understand that psychiatrists, these are mental health professionals who prescribe medication. They can be difficult to schedule appointments with because there aren't that many psychiatrists available you can absolutely start with a general practitioner. You can say, I am struggling. Um, and of course, as a psychologist, a mental health professional who does not prescribe medication, I absolutely recommend speaking with a therapist of some sort if you are struggling with symptoms of depression and anxiety. Uh, one thing that might surprise our listeners today is that the most popular number of sessions to have with a therapist is one. And that's not just because sometimes the therapist isn't a good fit. And of course, that's very important that you have someone that you really feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But it's really because many people, when they go to a professional and they just pour it all out, <laughs> they just say, this is what's happening. This is what's driving me crazy. They feel so much better. Wow. And, and, and that is why I'm telling you, don't neglect to get together with someone yeah. meet outside. If you can, um, you know, find, find a way to make it work mm -hmm. so that you just have that contact, um, and are able to share what you're going through, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, because um, I know for me personally, it has been so helpful to hear from friends that, yeah, that's how I feel too. <laughs> you don't feel like you're losing your mind. It's like, okay, good, good. There's something to not feeling alone. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, that's been such a critical piece of homeschooling from the very beginning. Right. We, we can do it alone, but it's really hard. We need to know that there are other homeschoolers who are on this journey, who don't feel like being the amazing science experiment craft mom <laughs> every day. Um, <laughs> and that 
you know, especially I know when I was beginning homeschooling, just having experienced homeschool moms tell me, you know, it's okay. It is absolutely okay. If your kids don't want to do school, if your kids writing is terrible when they're in fourth grade, you know, it, none of these things is, is a deal breaker. Um, and I know Jamie and I can both testify to that. Most likely what you're really worried about isn't even worth being worried about. Yep. Absolutely. We, and we tend to do that. We kind of exaggerate uh, kind of our expectations or maybe somebody else's expectations. We kind of put them on ourselves and we get ourselves in this anxiety really is what it's causing. Um, and we're all stressed out because we're not like so-and-so or we're not meeting the standard. And really exactly what you said is true. Most of the time that doesn't even matter. You know, in the long run, your child is going to learn it. They're going to get where they need to be. They will actually graduate. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, so true. And you know what? I would tell homeschooling moms to focus on is what has been the biggest blessing for me in homeschooling, and that is just to enjoy my family members. I have gotten to like them as people and I've gotten to see relationships between them blossom into friendship. That doesn't mean that they don't um, struggle to get along at times. I, I don't have a perfect family, but I have seen a closeness in my family that I know would not be there had we not chosen to homeschool. And, uh, you know, when I, this, I think might encourage you to, as you're listening, we have a, a a little tradition in our family when it is someone's birthday, we go around and everyone says what they love about that person. And on my last birthday, my kids went around and said that, they loved about me an area that I thought I was weakest in. Something that I, I had guilt about that I wished I had been better. And yet here are my kids saying, no, this is, this is what we love about you, that you do do this. And I think we can get so off in our assessments mm-hmm. of ourselves as mothers and as teachers. Um, and I, I highly encourage you to start that tradition if you haven't already. We do it on Mother's and Father's Day as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's lovely. And it's such, such encouragement to know that you totally misjudged those areas. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's encouraging to me too, because, you know, there's so many things that we could nitpick about ourselves. Yeah. Always as right. parents, as homeschool moms. Yeah. Yes, for sure. So lots of different triggers in this past year, as you've been mentioning, uh, (laughs) lots of different triggers. Um, But I wonder too, also, you know, we were kind of talking about these expectations. Do we, do you think that working and just being at it 24 seven can also kind of contribute (laughs) to that feeling? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, there was a point in time 
when I was really wanting to um, use my blog as more of a business uh, platform. I was wanting a podcast. I was wanting to start writing books. And I just thought, how are these other homeschooling moms who have both, you know, a, maybe a larger family that they're homeschooling and they have a business. How on earth are they doing this? Well, one way that I determined is that they were not homeschooling for eight and nine hours a day. And that is what I was expecting of myself. And not only is that not realistic if you want to have a life outside of homeschooling, but it's not even the best way to teach kids. It's just not. We want shorter lessons, shorter, meaningful lessons. And you can find ways to have your children learn more independently. And I say find ways because I, I do not like the idea that you just take a kindergartner or a second grader and just park them in front of a computer all day. And that's going to be their education that no, <laughs> I mean, that's why many people are pulling their kids out of school and homeschooling them because they don't want that. They don't want their kids in front of a computer all day. Um, so I, I mean that within boundaries, right? Within reasonable limits, but you can absolutely give a child a math workbook that is a self-teaching math workbook. And by that, I mean it, you know, the concepts are explained right there in the book for the child and your child can work on math. And if you have a kid who just drags his feet, drags his feet doing that, then what I recommend is that you have a math time in your homeschool. You get everyone around the table with their math and then you are just supervising. It's kind of like homework hour in the library when I was at school, <laughs> that's what it would be. And then you make sure everyone's working on their math and they will be because it's kind of like going to the gym. It's like, well, I'm not going to go to the gym and then just sit there, you know, reading. <laughs> I'm going to work out since I'm here and everyone else is working out. Yeah. So your kids will get their math done. You are, are going to be there to supervise, but that means that you don't have to sit and teach each child math, <laughs> you know, uh, that is just, it's just wasting time to do it that way. So that would be an example. And um, there are other ways of limiting how much time you spend on homeschooling so that you can do other things. I believe that when we are more well-rounded as homeschooling moms, we are better teachers. We are certainly better role models. Um, you know, when, when my daughter said to me one day, well, I'm not going to homeschool because it's too much work. It's like, oh, <laughs> you know, maybe I'm not presenting this, this uh, lifestyle in the right way. I don't want her to think that. I want her to think, no, homeschooling is a more relaxed lifestyle than if I were running all six of you to different schools and activities and, and that kind of thing. Um, and, and it is for me it is more relaxed. Right. I know. I feel like sometimes because our children or mine, this is the only ones I can speak for, but because they've only ever known homeschooling, they don't understand how stressful <laughs> the other version can be. Um, mm -hmm. So yes, definitely. And what you said, it, 
I found after a lot of trial and error that that was the easiest way to homeschool all my children, you know, try Mm. to find ways where I can put them all together and, you know, maybe I can use one lesson and teach them all today and then give the older ones more in-depth study, younger ones, lighter things, you know, and that really helped me to kind of whittle down my workload, so to speak. But I think flip side of that, um, I found over the last year that we've been home more that I have a hard time uh, turning off. You know, it's just, I'm stuck here in the house all day. Uh, we're not going anywhere probably all week. <laughs> so I might as well just keep working. And so I found myself, find myself, um, blurring those lines where I used to be a little bit more, you know, succinct at quitting or walking mm-hmm. away from projects or, mm-hmm. you know, outside work and things like that. So I feel like that's something that, you know, would help if we could, emphasize drawing the line, walking away, right. Quitting time. Yeah, absolutely. And that is why I believe that having a routine Mm -hmm. or a schedule is so important. That routine or schedule is not written in stone. You do not have to follow it. Like it is the law, Mm -hmm. but it is a guide Mm -hmm. to keep us in line. And the way I like to think about it is that a routine or schedule, and, a, and let me differentiate those. Routine means that first I do this, then I do this, then I do this, then I do this. And you might have some anchor times. We always break for lunch at noon, for example. We always have a snack at three. Right. But within that, I might spend an hour on math one day and then only 15 minutes the next day. But I'm always doing the subjects and the tasks in order. Where a schedule is, we do math from eight to 8.30. We do Bible from 8.30 to nine. That is a schedule. Um, As I have gotten busier over uh, the years, I have moved from having a routine to a schedule. And actually, because I have uh, no young children (laughs) who really, uh, I think you need more of a routine with them because things are crazy, right? Um, But having one of those gives you that structure to make sure that you are not leaving out something important, like leaving out your exercise, leaving out hobbies that, that maybe just light you up and might inspire your kids to follow suit. You know, I wanted my kids and I still want that. I want my kids to see me reading for pleasure Because if they don't see that, they're going to think reading is for school. And when I'm done with school, I'm done with reading. No. So you have to make sure that you are putting time in for all the big pieces. So if that's personal time with your husband, um, if it's, um, you know, I, I have really gotten lax on the kinds of meals that we're having. I want to make sure that I'm allotting enough time in my schedule that I can cook from scratch at least X number of days a week. Well, then put that in your routine or schedule. Um, That I think is the answer to most of the difficulties that we have with stopping, you know, and having those time boundaries. And no, you're not going to get it perfectly. But here is how I address that. I'm always curious. I treat myself like an experiment. You know, what will get Melanie 
to get off Facebook or Instagram at a reasonable time and go to bed. <laughs> let's try this. You know, let's try putting an alarm on her phone. Let's try talking to her husband and saying, you know, I'm so crabby when I don't get enough sleep. Will you tell me it's time to go to bed? You know, all those kinds of things I can try and see what will work. Yep. Sounds like you're reading a page out of my diary. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, great. Going to bed, getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of my key triggers. Need to have a certain amount of sleep or I just, even with exorbitant amounts of coffee, I still have issues mm-hmm. in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm glad that you mentioned sleep because, Um, that is one of the things that is really, really critical to not getting depressed, not getting burnt out. We are processing so much, um, even, even now a year after this, uh, well, nearly a year, not, not quite a year, but nearly a year after this pandemic started, um, it's just, it's just really, really difficult to process it all. Um, and in order to process it, to deal with the changes, to adjust, especially if you're a new homeschooling uh, parent, then your body is going to need extra sleep. That, that is how our brains process information. You know, when we, when we dream these crazy dreams, we think, what was that all about? Well, that was our brain taking all kinds of input and emotions that we're feeling and trying to make sense of it in, in a way that will help us to move forward. And so if we are not getting sleep, we're not giving our brains time to make those adjustments. And so it's no wonder then when one little thing goes wrong and we drop a brand new carton of eggs on the floor, like I did today, that you just lose it because you haven't been supporting yourself. You haven't been getting the sleep. You're drinking too much coffee, you're not eating right, you're not exercising, you're not talking things out with people. Um, so if, if I could just kind of summarize what I would like to see people doing, it's that, you know, make it a priority to do those things for yourself, all those things I just listed, just as you would for your kids. You're not going to let your kids eat, um, Pop-Tarts and Coke for every meal. You're not going to let your kids get five hours of sleep a night. You're not going to let your kids just sit on the couch all day, every day without getting any activity. You're not going to keep them from talking with friends for months on end. So why would you do that to yourself? Absolutely. Perfect. Very good advice. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so hard. I think all of us would agree as moms, we do kind of tend to put ourselves at the bottom of the list. You know, like you said, we make sure our kids do all of these things and that they're well cared for and fed well and slept, they've slept what they need to sleep. But mom, for some reason, we tend to just give ourselves that leftover bit of time or. Mm-hmm. And important. And that's, and that is really sad because mm-hmm. The fact is what your kids and your husband want 
most of all, it's very surprising to us when we, when we truly understand what it is that our families want most of all, it's our happiness. Mm. They want us to be happy because they know when we're happy, life is so much better, right? Life is so much better. So that's why, you know, it's like, there's this, this notion that, you know, seeking happiness is just wrong. You know, that's just being selfish. It is not. When I seek my own happiness, I am seeking the good for my entire family. Um, And I just know that that is true. And you deep down, you know, that is true. When you are excited about a new curriculum or a new routine or a new activity or a new art project or a new hobby that you're going to try, that impacts the entire family. When you're excited about a new recipe that you're making for dinner, that impacts the whole family. When you spend an incredible hour gabbing with a friend and you laughed and you feel better about life and homeschooling, that impacts the entire family. Mm -hmm. So you are loving your family if you do what you need to do to support and nurture yourself. Absolutely. And that's that idea of filling your cup so that you can pour yourself into your family. Yep. And we can't do it if our cup is empty and we're exhausted and we're burnout. So very wise words. Yeah. Thank you. So as we wrap you are up, very welcome. yeah. So as we wrap up today's episode, uh, you kind of just gave a summary. Do you have any final words to say to our listeners before we close. Yeah. I would have you ask yourself, what is one thing you could do when you close this interview that would give your spirits a lift? What is that one thing? And go and do it. Take that time. Yep. Well, I want to encourage our listeners to go and visit Melanie at her website, psychowithsix.com, and make sure you listen to her podcast. I've listened to a few of them, especially that she has one really good one. Um, It's entitled Homeschooling with a Broken Spirit, and it's also along these lines. It's very helpful. It uh, encouraged me today as I was listening to it. So stop by Melanie's website, check out her information, and also the products that she has, uh, Language Arts Curriculum. And we thank you for listening today. 